And I just want to thank, um, thank you, Dad, for the, um, just the opportunity to be able to preach. Um, it was a little nerve-wracking when I found out Monday night, but there's already been something the Lord had shown me in my devotions that something I wanted to preach, and I just had the opportunity now, so I just praise the Lord for that. But we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1, so go ahead and turn there, and we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity just to be able to preach, Lord. I just pray that you would um, give me clarity of thought, that I just be able to speak your word in truth, Lord, that you would just um, work tonight, Lord, that it would be all of you and none of me, Lord, that you would just um, show people, Lord, what um, they need out of your word tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. People want their life to count for something, whether it's a sports figure who spends their whole life training and they want their life to count, or even a soldier who desires to make his life count for his country. There is a longing in the heart of man to count for something. We all want our lives to count. The question is, who is our life going to count for? Is it going to count for God or is it going to count for ourselves? Do we want a life that counts here on earth or do we want a life that counts in heaven? And we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1, and it's a little long, but I'm just going to read the whole thing because that's what we're covering. But it says in verse number 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spoke unto Ahaspens, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they may stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ahaziah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah Shadrach, unto Mishael, Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor of the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear the Lord my king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see in your faces worse liking than the children who are of your sort, then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us poles to eat and water to drink. That our count- then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days." And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. 
Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine which they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. We see in the conquering of Jerusalem, um, Jerusalem was not a godly, was not a godly place at this time. They were not serving God. But, therefore, God sent Nebuchadnezzar, and they went and he besieged the city, and he conquered it, and he took things out of the temple back to Jerusalem, and he took um, young men who they thought they could mold and teach the ways of Chaldees, who were wise, who already had some knowledge, and they would take, they took them almost 500 miles back to Babylon, and there they were in a completely different culture, and they were a completely different way. They were to serve the Chaldees. Daniel and his friends and those who were among them had to learn the ways of the people who had just conquered them, who had just um, destroyed their city, not completely at that time, but later would, that had killed some of their family, had killed people they knew, and now they were to go back and be slaves to them. Yet Daniel counted for God in this heathen land. He decided that he was going to obey God And we look back at his life as someone he counted for God. We look at someone who he lived for God and was a testimony of God, even in a heathen land. And we want our lives to count for God. We want to live for God in such a way that it points other people to our God. We want to live for God so God can receive the glory. And Daniel's determination to obey God brought God's blessings on his life. And made his life count for God. He obeyed God even when, even in difficult circumstances, even after all that he went through. One thing we see that helped Daniel, one of the reasons why Daniel was able to count for God, was he refused to stop living life for God. He was brought out of everything he knew and was taken to another culture where they didn't live for his God. They served pagan gods. They didn't do what he had always been raised. He was no longer had the strength around him that he had grown up within, that he'd grown up with. He didn't there was no longer the temple dedicated to Jehovah there. He was now on his own in the heathen land, but and with all the trials that he'd gone through with coming all the way to Babylon. But Daniel didn't let bitterness and anger and depression become part of his life. He rather he kept the correct Look outlook on life. He correct the, kept the correct things in focus. And that's how one of the reasons why Daniel was able to count for God. We already, he was a slave for his captors. He was now in the same city serving the very king who had just attacked his city. And he, not only was he to be a slave to him, but he had to learn his way of life. He had to learn to be like the people who had just come and conquered his city. But he must adopt their customs, their language, their way of thinking. And, but you know what? Daniel realized God is still on the throne. He didn't, let, he didn't let all his circumstance around him change his outlook on life and what really matters. Because here's what happens. When we change 
who we, when we forget that God is on the throne, and when we forget that God is still in control, and when we forget that He is the one who is still ultimately making decisions, and He's in control of things, our decisions in how we act is based on our mindset, or on our outlook on life. If we say, well, I guess God let this one slip, our decisions are going to be based off that. If Daniel didn't have the correct outlook and the correct attitude towards God, he never would have made the decision in verse 8 to purpose himself not to defile himself. If he didn't realize that God was still on the throne and that God was still in control no matter what circumstances, and I dare say that none of us have been through the circumstances that Daniel was in this chapter, but he still realized, hey, God is still in control. God's law still applies even in this circumstance. When we don't realize that God is in control, our decisions are going to show that, and the rest of our decisions aren't going to be made correctly, aren't going to be based on God, because we're saying, God, you're not in control of this situation. Therefore, I have to take over. But Daniel realized God is still in control. I still need to obey God, even in this heathen land, even though I'm serving the king who just took my land, I'm still going to serve God. We also see that he refused to compromise with the world. It says in verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Daniel didn't modify God's word to fit into his surroundings. He didn't say, well, God's word, I'm in this different situation. Yeah, God is still on the throne, but it doesn't apply in this situation. Compromise means a middle state between conflicting opinions or actions reached by mutual concession or modification. He purposed in his heart. He had the right motive to serve God. His motive wasn't to stand out and to rebel against the Chaldeans in his own way. He wasn't doing that. He was serving God. He was trying to obey God. He made a purposeful and determined choice to obey God, even though it went against the world. He was going to obey God because that's what God had said. He was, we noticed that he wasn't disrespectful of his authority. He went to those who were in control of him, and he was respectful, but he said, I have to obey God. But he came in such a way that they were willing to work with him, that they said, we understand why. He didn't just come in brash and say, I can't eat this food because it's not fit for me. He said, would you let me do this because this is honoring to my God. But the world, they were telling him, this is what's best for him. The Chaldeans, when they pulled Daniel and his, and his fellow um, princes and stuff out of Judah, they weren't taking them and throwing them in a dungeon in Babylon. They had t- taken them and brought them to Babylon to serve in the king's palace. They were being given the very best that the world had to offer. But often what the world has, world's view of best and God's view of best isn't, isn't the same thing. God had commanded in his word not to touch certain unclean meats. Also, the, um, the reason why he wouldn't um, have eaten the meat and drinking the wine is these meats would, were probably unclean animals. We know the Chaldeans ate a lot of horse flesh and pork and such things like that, they, which would have forbidden in the law of God, as well as even if it had been meat that was prepared, meat that was 
okay by the um, law, it would have been prepared improperly and probably sacrificed to idols. So we don't know all that went into that, but we know that it would have been defiling to a Jew to eat of the meat. And Daniel wanted to obey God, and he chose not to partake of the meat and wine. Although certain parts of it, there would have been certain times that a meal would have been kosher, maybe. There would have been certain times that maybe one part, hey, this is beef, I can eat that today. But Daniel decided, hey, I'm not going to defile myself. If this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, I'm not going to compromise and say, okay, I won't do this, but I'll do this. He said, I'm going to take, I just am going to abstain from all of it. He chose, for fear of defiling himself from God, he said, for God, he said, I'm just going to abstain from that. I'm not going to allow any of that into my life. Oftentimes we say that this is wrong and this is wrong with this certain movie or this certain way of thinking or these certain friends that there's something wrong, this and this and this, but this much is right so I can partake in this much. But, that, but what that leads to is that eventually leads to our defilement before God. It may not necessarily be um, something we would say would be a huge sin, but we let the influences into our life. And Daniel didn't compromise with the world on what God had said. He didn't modify God's word to, to fit that. When we, compromise with, when we compromise God's word, we're telling the world that God is control of our lives up to a certain point. Because if we obey God, only like Daniel obeyed God in all that he could here. He refused to defile himself, with, and he did it all through three years. He ate the pulse all three years that he was, that he was in the training. If he had stopped or said, I will just keep myself, I'll just obey God to a certain point, you're, I, he was telling the Chaldeans that I obey God up to here, and then I'm in control of that. Oftentimes, we only obey God up to a point, but that isn't surrendering to God. That's compromising part of it, because we're modifying what God said so that we can enjoy something that we think we need. Also, he ref- when he counted for God, he had the correct mindset. He said, God is still in control, therefore, I'm not going to com- compromise with the world, and I'm not going to justify disobedience, Daniel said. I'm not going to take disobedience and say, well, technically, if I have to, you know, I have to do this because they're telling me to. Daniel didn't get given to the logic. He obeyed God. Logic is defined as attempt to explain or justify one's own or another's behavior or attitude with logical, plausible reasons, even if they are not true or appropriate. Daniel in the, in, knew what God had said. He'd been raised a Jew. He knew what God said concerning this and concerning other things that he obeyed. And God's word, was, God's word was very clear on this issue, and Daniel made the choice to obey God. Some people, you know, it was sacrificed to idols, probably. We dealt with the meat and all that, but he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince that, and the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He um, just said, I'm not going to say, well, it could be all right in this instance. The Babylonians were trying to raise these, raise these young Jews to the height of their physical, emotional, and mental health. He wanted, they, they wanted them to be at peak 
um, conditioning so they could do it. To go on a vegetarian diet necessarily was not the most logical thing to do in, their, in most people's minds. But oftentimes, if you look at a lot of the meat and the way it was prepared in Babylonian time, it wasn't the most healthy anyways. If we look at it from science today, just from what we know, and God, what, God know, what God says is best, is best even if it goes against culture. Even if it goes against culture, we obey God, and it will be better for us in the long run. But some would say he didn't have a choice. Some would say, you know what, Daniel, he was put in that situation, and I was, we often say, I'm forced to sin, or I'm forced to go against God's law because of the circumstances. When I allow the circumstances to determine what I'm going to obey of God's word, I'm compromising and I'm rationalizing. I'm saying it's okay to disobey this one time, but it's never okay to disobey God. We know what God's word says, and that's why we need to read God's word, is because we need to read God's word so we know what God's word says, but we always need to obey God's word. Oftentimes, we get into something that's called situational ethics, the doctrine of flexibility and the application of moral laws according to circumstances. We can't allow situations to determine what is right and what is wrong. God's word determines what is right and what is wrong. That's why we follow God's word. And that's why Daniel purposed in his heart. He wasn't letting circumstances, he wasn't letting the world tell him, this is right and this is wrong, but he obeyed God. Another example, even in Daniel's life, of, situ- of when it would have seemed okay to disobey God, is we have the story later when he was under the Persian kings of Daniel in the lion's den. It would have seemed to most people okay to disobey God with the threat of being killed. But Daniel said, I've done this and I'm going to keep serving God. And God delivered him because he was serving God. He didn't, Daniel didn't have control over being taken to Babylon. Daniel didn't have control over a lot of things. But we do have control when we obey God. If we obey God, we do have control over that. He simply obeyed God and put the rest up to God. He, let, he just simply obeyed God. He made, a, he made a sacrifice, some might say. He did that for three years. But he said, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to leave the rest up to him. And we find that God blessed him amazingly. And the king communed with them, in verse number 19, and among all them he found, was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Because they obeyed God and they kept serving God, even all three years, they didn't just obey God, once and make the decision to obey once but they continue to obey God and continue to follow God and continue to do this um, just follow what they knew God had said and God was able to use them greatly when we choose to take the circumstances that come in our life and leave God in control realizing that he knows best we can there we're going to have the correct look outlook on life when we have, that's going to affect the rest of the decisions we make when we realize that God is still in control. And we cannot compromise with the world's ideas and with, their, and with their mindset. We must follow God because He knows what is best and because He is God. We must follow God not just because He knows what is best, but because He is God. That's, and we, we must follow God. Follow God. 
we cannot justify disobedience because obeying God is not an option. It's a command. We must obey God. And Daniel's life, we look back and say, it counted for God. Because Daniel's obedience at the beginning of his life here, we see later in life that he was able to be even a witness to the very king who attacked his city. There, some would say Nebuchadnezzar might have even trusted the Lord as his personal savior, but he definitely got a witness. Darius, the king with Daniel and the lions, then he got a witness because Daniel made the decision back in the beginning to follow God. And he definitely, we would say, definitely counted for God. If we're going to count for God, we have to live for God. We have to remember that God is in control in any situation. That we have to follow God in any situation. And we can't allow the world to determine when and how we can obey God. Let's, I, just, I love the book of Daniel. I love Daniel. And I love looking to him just, for, just as an example of how even no matter what situation, we can still follow God and we still can obey God no matter what.